Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 31.4-year Wall Street veterans who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with a couple of value stock ideas each week that we run here in the shop. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news. But our bosses would never allow our un filtered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices, and they'll never know. This week, uh, we are, uh, it's May 29th, uh, we've run a screen based on enterprise value to sales, an old uh, tool in the Value Guys toolkit, but before we get to that, a couple of important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only, that's not a guarantee. Secondly, uh, this is a hobby for Mo and I, we're just after work, kicked back, having a few uh, after work beverages, um, so uh, but we are uh, you know analysts during the week doing a lot of careful research and meeting with management teams and doing uh, forecasted uh, earnings projections etc. And of course we're doing none of that here. Third, uh, and our lawyers say to remind you that we may not have your best interests in mind and may accidentally recommend the opposite of what's best for you. So do your own work. And then fourth, we've been just modestly drinking this more week. Th- more than modestly. Yeah, I hope to, well, I hope to improve that during the show. Um, so uh, I think that's it. See all our caveats at www.thevalueguys.com where you'll see uh, links to past shows. We've got about five years of shows out there, a best ideas list that uh, I keep pretty current, and also uh, we've got some interesting statistic links there. It's, it's a menagerie of... Of links, a menagerie. <clears throat> yeah, that's a. Uh, I don't want to get too much into financial that. term. Um, so uh, www.thevalueguys.com. Okay, <clears throat> this week a big historic first at the Value Guys. Do you know what it is, Mo? Yes, we're being uh, broadcast via satellite to uh, the Soviet Union. Yeah, there's been a breakthrough in communication there. So, but uh, something else as well. Welcome, something else. New listeners, comrades, comrades. Uh, but there's something else as well. What's that? This is the first time in the history of the show where the date has not been a Friday. Okay? Now, a lot of people aren't going to think that's a big deal. Could throw you including for a loop. most of the people, right. But if you think it's Friday because you're listening to this, it isn't. We're putting up a show. It's actually Tuesday, and we're, we're just putting up the date. I mean, for years, if we did it on a different day, we kind of move the day to Friday. And we get to have cocktails in the yeah. summer sort of whenever we want. So we're so. just right. There's no schedule hmm. for that. Exactly. So, so why not do a show? So it's actually May 29th, Tuesday, May 29th. And we've run an enterprise value for your value investors out there. We're just running an, an enterprise value to sales screen. Companies below $2 billion, any public company. This We just ran this on Yahoo Finance. So if anyone can do it, it's free. Uh, we put in a, a balance sheet filter, debt to equity, less than, uh, I actually did 1.2. So it wasn't quite one because we weren't getting enough names. And then I think I threw in a little uh, profitability filter. So I need, I need profits. I think I need an ROA uh, greater than five return on assets. And we pulled up about 40 names. Yep. yep. And we sat here. Uh, very clear-headed initially, and went through those 40, and we've picked out three that... Actual actual good ones. Well, I'd say two of the three are good. 
and one's pretty controversial, <laughs> one's, but it's One's not as good. You're either going to lose all your money or you're going to triple well, your money. I don't know. Maybe listeners could figure out which one that is. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. And then, uh, so we're going to have three, you know, pretty good value ideas. Actually, two and then one that's not as good, but it's controversial. And then we're, we're going to have a, a segment of the show walking through national economic trends that people seem to like. So we've just pulled the, you know, uh, National Economic Trends publication from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. It's free, and it's got everything you might want to know about the U.S. economy and a lot you don't want to know. And three-dimensional pictures in some There's cases. There's all kinds of great stuff. So yeah. we're going to do that at the back end of the show. Um, uh, but first up, uh, what? We got some uh, some news, right? Well, today's uh, May. It's going to go down in history as May 29, yeah. 29. Yeah, right. And today, yeah. Facebook hit $29. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, you know, they say that behind every cloud that, is a silver lining. Did you... I'm not going to renounce my citizenship. You're not. You're going to stay. I don't in America. need to really. I, I had, you know, when I thought the stock was going to a thousand, you look at contingencies. So if the, if you really do, you renounce your U.S. citizenship. You find countries. Declare yourself a, uh, you know, resident of the Philippines. Or Dominican. Unlike that's a, still a plane ride. So, but I'm not going to do that now. You don't have to. Well, I prepared for a lot, but not twenty nine dollars a share. Yeah. Well, this way, if you stay American, you get the full tax rate on the loss. That is true. Yep, that's true. But, you know, I still was the first guy in the, actually the first hedge fund manager ever to make money on Facebook, and now I'm the only one. Were you sure? No. No, you were the only uh, manager who did not short it. No, I'm to the make only. Money. Yep, no. I'm, exactly. Okay. What? What's your secret, Mo? How the secret you... is that I sold two passes to the IPO for $100 each. And so I made, I was the first guy ever to make money on Facebook. You sold your... Uh, your exactly. Your and now I have a 0% investment. I've got a $200 return. I'm adding those return figures to my fund. Are you hiring anyone? So it looks you're... like I'm up about 100,000%. Uh, because you started a new fund a that minute. day. <laughs> so yeah, so it's, uh, so it's been interesting. So thank you, Facebook. That's been fabulous. Thank you, That's amazing. Um, so yeah, you know the new, the new Wall Street technical term? I'm not. I'm sure I don't. No. Well, they're talking about this in uh, Greece and in Spain. It's uh, not a bank run. It's no. a bank jog. A bank jog. <laughs> a bank jog. Uh huh. The outflows are just sort of like yeah. they're kind of running a 10k, and you know. Uh, but they're not. They're not sprinters yet. And th there's water every hour. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, joggers can become runners if they keep doing it yeah. eventually. So I don't. So anyway, so there's the word for the word so for what the week. We'll, but Mo. Okay, first of all, back on this Facebook thing. I think there's a lot of interest in this. I don't want to mention any names, but didn't your firm, and I know we, we don't say where we're from, you know, top secret and all that, but <clears throat> didn't your firm have something to, don't you have an announcement? Didn't your firm have something to do with all this? or what's? No, I, I mean, uh... because it was priced at 38, right? Yeah. The, the investment bankers, the guys who... Come in our office. They're, they're the best dressed. If you see a Wall Street guy, if he's the best dressed, that's probably an investment banker. You've got the white collars, the cufflinks. I mean, I'm down here in the, we're in the dirty part. You know, we actually have to buy a stock. If it goes down, we get yelled at. Our, our walls are, they're walls. They're not rosewood walls. You know what I mean? Right. You've been there. So these guys, they priced it. 
and again, I, we don't know who they might be, but maybe you do. They price it, and it was at 38 on that day. And they increase the size of the deal yeah, by 25%. The deal, and everyone is out telling all their clients to buy it. But now it's a 29. Where's my HP 12C over here? I still use this. So here, I'm just going to do this. Do you know math. what the, uh, I can tell you what the difference is just yeah. using it. It's called ouch. Ouch, yeah. No, it's, it's my, here we go. Minus 23.7%. So what, if you were a guy who had priced it, or if you knew a guy, or let's say, I don't know, rode a train with a guy, you know, what have you. Could be any number of things. What would that guy be saying right now? If well, I were the investment banker that priced this deal, yes, I would be saying uh, I would be calling the waitress on my private jet to have her bring me another martini because I'd be, you know, jetting off somewhere kind of cool. I just made a shitload of money. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's what I would. And be doing. also, I will I will point out. What would you be doing if you were the well, guy that had priced it? If I were that guy, thing? I would be explaining to the company how I just got them thirty eight dollars a share. And right now it's a 29, so they should be pretty pleased I'm sure that be, they got a good deal. That's and what I'd they'd be, be thrilled, and you yeah. just got about a $100 million yeah. bonus. If you sold your home, and then a few weeks later it was worth less, you're not mad. So in other words, Facebook isn't mad. Right. They're happy. Right. But the investors are not as happy. Yeah. Oh, well. But they got in on a historic deal. That's I just true. thought. So, so that's... Uh, that's a Wall Street uh, news item for this yep, week. It so, is. all right. Well. Oh, alphabetical. Uh, yeah. Huh? Let's. Uh, we don't have any uh, theme music, but let's just get do, to the stocks. Do if we do these alphabetically, our most controversial name is, is first. first. Do you want to save that till last? Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, do that. Yeah. Why don't we? Because uh, maybe we won't want to do it by that time. You know. I don't know. So we have J and J snack foods. J and J snack foods. Well, let me do this one. I found this. This, this came on a screen, Enterprise Value to Sales, so it's cheap. Um, the P.E. here is uh, 19, which is why it wouldn't come up on a P.E. screen. I'd probably go lower than that. Um, but their net margin could conceivably get a little better, so that's one thing I like about an Enterprise Value to Sales screen. You catch stocks that could be cheap if the margin is improving and you have a chance to go look at it before it shows up on everybody's low P.E. screen. So that's a nice advantage. Uh, the debt is uh, terrific. It's very low. Uh, they, they do snack foods. So, you know, again, there's probably a pretty good correlation to snack foods and population growth. Um, there, of course, is some negative press on snack foods now. And, uh, you know, I think you know, we need to talk about that. But by and large, the snack food companies are trying to stay ahead of the curve on health, and, and, and these guys are doing uh, a variety of things. Uh, soft pretzels, frozen juice treats. I mean, what could be more different than that? Slush puppies. Slush puppies. Everybody knows what a slush puppy they is. They do uh, baked goods. Yeah. People love that. Right. So they, I think, and they put their name on, on a lot of different things, and then they have brand names that... You know, fruit a freeze, icy you've heard of, uh, super pretzel. Admit I haven't heard that. So you know they've got sort of the second tier brands of snack foods, and I think that's a pretty stable business. Actually, a growing business. It's a growing business. Returns on assets are just now creeping into the double digits, ten, eleven percent. That's pretty impressive uh, for what seems to be a commodity. So 
they probably have an edge in distribution. Uh, their brands are, you know, good store brands. There's something going on here that's good because they're turning out a good return on assets. EBIT margins in the mid-teens, or EBITDA, I should say, and so I like that. Uh, and the valuation, you know, it's, uh, it's nine times EBITDA. So to the extent that 20 times earnings doesn't sound good, nine times EBITDA, if you do the inverse, is an 11% cash-on-cash return. That's pretty attractive, and it's growing. And all I'd want to go and do and see how much CapEx is required against that EBITDA to really keep the business, you know, stable and maybe growing a little bit, although at 11%, I don't need a lot of growth. So that's kind of what I like about it, Mo. It's just a snack food guy. It's reasonably priced, good balance sheet. They do have to navigate the health. You know, thing a bit. Uh, yeah, well, I tell you what, the, the great thing about a company like this, because we look at these all the time from a technical standpoint, is you can, uh, you can use a highly sophisticated technical analysis to look at the company. What we do, and yeah, we no. started doing this back in 2008, you know that as my yeah. fund, is uh, yeah. we create an American Waste Size Index. Yeah, the WSI. Yeah. It's, everyone knows that. And as uh, waistlines expand. Yeah. Snack food companies. Snack food company stock go up. These guys create dough enrobed handheld products. That's not a sexual device. Dough enrobed. Dough enrobed. Right. Dough enrobed. It's like a hot dog on a bun encased in dough. Handheld. Yeah. <laughs> dough enrobed. Right. Dough so, enrobed. It's a new term in food. It's on. It's in the 10K, ladies so and anyway, gentlemen. So anyway, based on our based on our waistline forecast. Yeah. Um, that's a WWF, which most people know also. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. One of the other stocks we looked at was a, a, a Krispy Kreme. Yeah, it was a waste By the way, line. that was a nice pick on your part. I think they had a strong quarter. It was up a lot. But yeah. the same trend. It's like, yeah, we all want to lose weight, but are we going to? No. Yeah. We've got a two-million-year-old brain we, that craves we, this stuff. Yeah. And unless they make it illegal, yeah. people want it, right? Yep, that's very true. We've uh, given increased weight to this <laughs> Idea. I'm going to scale into this. Well, wait bit. no longer because <laughs> this is now something uh, I, I think we should take a look at. But anyway, listen to these sales numbers. If I just round out, please. Six million six in in uh, 2008. Six million six and a half million seven million seven and a half million eight million. That's a nice. That's like a little locomotive that just keeps cranking. Well, hundred million. You mean exactly? Yeah, right. Um, but. Very little variation in that, so it's got a great sale. And despite that, you know, kind of, well, despite, in addition to that, just clicking along, margins have been, you know, basically they've been 15%, yeah. very little. And they cruise right through the recession. So, There's no trouble. Exactly. I mean, if you're depressed, maybe eat more snack foods. Well, right? so if you believe in the continuing expansion of the American waistline, you can do a direct correlation, pull a stock price up, um, go to the CDC, look at their expanding waistline. They publish our index. Compare the two, do an overlay. Uh, you know, this is going to be a $100 stock in five years. Well, hey, I'd like to just add something because this health issue. I think that <clears throat> this company probably has an edge that's not related to the food quality, I'm just going to say. It's distribution, and uh, it's a second-tier brand that helps the store owner make more money because – there's not as many demands as putting sales, you know, advertising back into the into the business and all that. It's it's kind of a, a sub-tier brand. There's not a lot of advertising, so there's a lot of extra money left over to share with the store guy. And I know that um, 
one of the things they sell is convenient food. So it's not healthy food right now. There's a lot of salt and things like that. And I don't know if you saw this, Mo, but, you know, uh, Campbell's Soup made a big deal about taking salt out of their product. It was in the newspaper. It was like Campbell's Soup, you know, wants to... And they quietly undid that when, you know, no, they, did, they took the salt out, and then guess what? Nobody was buying their soup. Because it tastes it like, bad. Tastes so like water. I'm going to say these guys are going to deliver what people buy. If the government or your health care plan that won't give you one if you eat too much of this, you know, there's a lot of ways this could force diets in a more healthy way. If that happens, I believe companies like this will stay on it. They will make something that fits in your hand, that right. fits on the shelf, that takes two minutes to eat, that is decreed as good for you, uh, whether it's healthy or not healthy. That's why I think the stock is a little cheap because of the health fear. But these factories can turn out whatever it is people want to eat, and they're right. doing that right now. If it becomes uh, a problem uh, legally or from a uh, you know, health insurance cost point of view, which are all possible. I think these guys adapt. That's why I, I think it's an interesting. Plus, you know, uh, to get a yield, a yield, you get a little yield. Yeah. What's the yield? Oh, uh, well, 1%. I don't even. One percent. Only three analysts too, so that's another plus on yeah, something like yeah. that. Okay. Uh, let's see. You need a refill over there, Mo. How are you doing? I'm good. Okay. Whoa. Let's see. Thank you. So this one. Uh, Metropolitan this is Health. This your idea, right? You found this. Uh, no? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metropolitan, yep, Metropolitan Health Networks. Ticker symbol is MDF. Um, it's a $9 stock. Look at that chart. I know. That's what I don't like about Two, it. <laughs> 2009, it was up 24%. 2010, it was up 124%. 2011, 67%, and it's up 17% so far this year. Yeah, and um, kind of a good period for them. Sales have gone three point six million, five point six million, eight million. Boom! EBITDA margins are holding steady at eleven percent. So you know yeah. what they say in the real estate business. You know what they no. say. I mean, I sometimes know, but location, location, yeah, location. Yeah, no, I didn't actually know that. Yeah, that's what I didn't say. know what you were going to say. No, they, that's what they say in the and this is what they say when you're looking at healthcare companies like this: location, location, location. They provide healthcare to Medicaid customers, older patients who don't want to go a long way, and they're located in Florida, on every corner. One of my semi my semi home state. Semi home state. Semi home state. Oh yeah. Hyphenated. You like the tax rate? Um, so, got to love the location. Basically providing Medicare services on an aggregated basis to old people in Florida. Got to love that. That's a trend I do love that we that. like. Stock's been a killer stock. Sales look good. Even the margins, no concern there. Tell me what worries you. Uh, well, you know, I do think you have a long, uh, you know, term trend in health care. Obviously, people are... Uh, we're a rich enough society to start putting a lot of money into health care, and it's not all because stuff's expensive. It's because you want to spend your money on that. You know, when you're 70, you'd rather spend a little money on health care than, uh, for example, new shoes. I'm just saying. You know, they're choices people make, and sometimes people get carried away. Oh, my God, such a big piece of GDP is health care. Well, yeah, because if, if everyone was 20, there would be a big share of GDP on, like, 
you know, resort hotels or whatever or right. something. But here it's health care, and I think that trend is going to continue. The fear is, of course, what do these guys get paid? Um, but, you know, I did a study on this a number of years ago. If the government or some entity, I guess I would hope it was the government instead of an invading foreign power, if the government forces <laughs> prices down, <clears throat> then what? All these companies are going to lose money? Well, maybe for a little while, but the demand for health care is going to still be there. So the ones with less, you know, fewer costs, uh, more economies of scale, et cetera, are going to win. And I'm not advocating that because I like the free market, but if, uh, if there's winners and losers chosen, they're going to choose the ones that are the biggest and that can cover the most patients. And so I think that in Florida, these guys have a pretty good foothold, whatever happens. And if prices are forced down and their profits are forced down, I think they quickly adapt to that somehow and they cut costs or they don't give the same service or, or maybe free parking is over, you know, and you have to well, pay. They've, so, they've clearly figured out they want the economies of scale. Look at, yeah. the, look at 2011. Right. Look at what happened with the debt. Went up uh, three, went from basically this company's never carried any debt and all of a sudden they were up 300 million in debt and sales um, are up huge. And so clearly, I think, what do you think? They bought something, which suggests yeah, they that they're did. probably <clears throat> in the process of aggregating in that field. Well, that's which exactly would what's going on in that industry. That you, want to be, you want that be that person if you're going to yeah. survive. There's a roll-up going on in this area because you need to get to better economies of scale. And uh, so The question is, is there more juice left in this, or is it played out? Well, but it's an I interesting mean, one to look at. You've got to look at the valuation, mm -hmm. I'd say. Yep. If we bought this today, Mo, if you called that guy that you read about that did the deal in Facebook and you got some of his buddies. I mean, the market cap on this thing, the enterprise value is uh, $600 million. So, you know, that's how much a group could pay, $650 million. And mm -hmm. if you did that, you would have the enterprise value to EBITDA is 8.6. So I'm going to take the inverse of that uh, on my HP12C. And that's a plug uh, because I'm trying to get this thing into the Smithsonian. Yeah. So that's why I mention it. If they hear it, they might want to do it. Um, so that's an 11.6% cash-on-cash return. I mean, what are you getting at the bank or in a bond? You know, there's a lot of 20-year bonds that are maturing where when you, when you bought them back in 19, whenever that was, uh, it was 20 years ago, 1982 or 1992. 90, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the yields back then were, what, 8%, yeah. 9 I mean, you're going from 8%. Let, let's say you saved your money or your parents. You were good savers. You were good people. You saved up a million dollars because you knew, and it was millionaire next door. You save 10000 a year for 50 years, and it turns into a million. And now you need a 6% return, which would be $60,000. That's how much you need to live. And all of a sudden, because... Uh, our economy is, uh, you know, funded with debt that is causing our currency to be worth less. Those savers are getting 1%. And now they're getting, on their million, they're getting 10000 They can't live. Now they're into principal. And so it's really a problem, ladies and gentlemen. And one way around it is to uh, buy companies that trade at 8.6 times EBITDA, get your friends, get a group, 
uh, and buy these things, and you'll get an 11% return instead of one. That's what I'm saying, Mo. And so I like this for that reason. And if it grows, it's just gravy because the 11% is if earnings don't grow. Okay, so next up. Uh, controversial. Yeah, it's very controversial. And this came on the same screen, this enterprise value to sales screen. It's a little stock called Career Education Corp, CECO. And uh, it's very controversial. It's gone from, let's see here, uh, prices. Well, I can't, it's, they're, they're not telling me, but the stock was around $40 a couple years ago. Now it's at 7 and it's in this for-profit education area that uh, the government has really come down on because, of course, kids borrow money that's government-guaranteed for college, and then if they don't pay it back, the taxpayer's on the hook. And these for-profit institutions, it all came out in Congress over the last couple of years, they have a tremendously bad record of their students um, paying off these loans, and the government, I think rightly so, is going, hey, we're loaning you this money, and but you're not getting an education that gives you a job that allows you to pay back the loan. <clears throat> and so they're looking right at these schools and they're recruiting techniques well, well, and all that. Well, just, to, just to, to clarify that, though, really right now the media is going after the, this whole industry. The media is saying these kids are taking out student loans, they're paying your for-profit universities, and you're not giving them an education they're going out into the real world. They can't get a job. They default on the loans. And so, in effect, it's a transfer of funds from the government to investors. Yeah. With, with the kids being collateral damage, that's the, you know, that's what the... Or to the management of the schools right, that pay right, themselves right. pretty well. That's yeah. what the media, the media right now is yeah. saying. But so far, the government really hasn't said one way or another which way they're going to go on this. But you're right. It, it well, they haven't said how they're going to go. But, but, boy, it is a <clears> tough <throat> thing to litigate against because you've got to start... You open up a big can of worms out if you're going to go after right. somebody that you think is an in, an educator but incompetent, then you're going to shut them down. Yeah. Um, where do you draw the line? So it well, could be yeah. it could be tougher for the government. Well, to the other problem is the public institutions that you know, Big Ten or Ivy League or what have you. I mean, uh, those graduates are having some problems right now too, right. and they don't have the capacity to educate all the people that want education. And if you've looked at some of these charts, the only way you can keep up the percentages of uh, the population that get college degrees as you grow the population at the rates we're going and the rate of new college growth is, and price of college. Right. You've got to go into these private institutions or for-profit because uh, they have the capacity. And while their tuition isn't free, it's sometimes cheaper than uh, the big, the big public and private universities. So it's a, it's a, it's a big, big now, area. Now, the one thing that I wonder about, and uh, you know, you saw the big fall off in the stock. Um, some of that could be big picture stuff, but uh, take a look at this. And and I, I can only speculate here. 2012. Look at what happened with the EBITDA margins. It's been, you know, it's been 15, 18, 17, and all of a sudden last year it was six. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so I, I, don't, I don't know, is that an anomaly? Is well, that, uh, we, uh, in the shop here, we don't own this one. We own uh, 
UTI, which trains people to be mechanics, and it's a, you know, it, its valuation has been under pressure as well. I'm sure we've done that on the show at some point. But it's not as cheap as this one. Right. Um, but what the trend has been over the last couple years is that um, they've, you know, they've had enrollment declines. In part, all this negative publicity, it affects enrollments because prospective students are reading that the school I was going to go to might be cheating me. So, I mean, that puts a little pressure. Um, the job market's been do really I, strong. I, I, do, I hmm? don't think there's many students in those universities that actually read. I think there are some that are there for taking to learning to read in some of them. Well, that's but not all of them actually read. Yeah, that may be, but their parents, you know, might read. Might read. They're Somebody asked to co-sign the yeah, loans. The word would so, get to yeah, them. So, yeah, the word is getting out yeah. because the people that are loaning the money are asking the questions when they're not getting paid back. That's really the catalyst here hmm. is that the check was not in the mail. And these guys are going, wait a minute. So it wasn't, you know, there, there's a lot of esoteric stuff you could talk about, for-profit, private education, et cetera. But what was happening was there was a growing, a rapidly growing percentage of the lenders that simply were not getting paid back. And the default rates on these types of schools were much higher than the default rates at your traditional public um, and private you know, universities. And so the, the Congress was looking at it. Now, having said all that. You don't want to catch a falling knife. Yeah, you don't want to. But the stock has gone from 40 to 7. So that's down, uh, you know, I don't want to do all the math for everyone, a but a freaking lot. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, sales have gone from $2.1 in December, well, for the fiscal year 2010. In this year, they're estimated, and this is, I guess, uh, we're looking at a, you know, a compilation of the 12 analysts that cover this. Their average estimate for this year is $1.5 billion. So, so that's but you are, you are seeing two things which might worry investors. You're seeing a decline in say an actual decline in sales and you're seeing an acceleration in that decline and so you sort of have to wonder hmm maybe the bad publicity is affecting them and you know how where does that stop do you start do you just see sales continue to erode is that what people are afraid of so i'd want to know a little bit about that trend or that concept before i stepped up to well, the well one thing we we learned uh, in looking at this was that it's a natural cycle that when you have a big uptake in jobs, so as we've talked about on the show, job growth the past couple years, um, you know, it's been tremendous actually off the low. And this is very normal when, when people have the opportunity to get a job, then they have less obviously likelihood to become a student. So you always will see in the big upswing in recoveries, you see a decline. Right. That's but true. it seems to be exacerbated a little bit by the fact that the government, the Congress, is going right after the recruiters saying, you are recruiting too many students because, you know, you're just trying to get them to borrow money and, you know, some of that goes to the school. Obviously, tuition goes into salaries. And, and then they start questioning whether the uh, guy in charge of promotion is really, you know, should loan money go to a guy at a public company that's getting paid to promote the company you know there's these there's these issues that only governments can get into where hey taxpayer money is helping you have an ad 
Northwestern, you know, university doesn't have ads or what have you. So, um, but they do. So, you know, the, the, it's a whole gray area. Uh, the, the thing, the reason we're talking about this, ladies and gentlemen, is not to dissuade you from looking at it because we could have passed on it, obviously. It's, it looks interesting it from does. evaluation. It does, and, and look, what other public vehicle can you invest in where you get a piece of the International Academy of Dog Walking. I mean, do they grab, own that? They own That's it. That's amazing. And um, they're franchising. They're opening three new centers um, out in Des Moines, Iowa. Shout out to you. You're about to get one, International Academy of Dog Walking. And, um, you know, I think tuition is uh, $45,000 a year. In three years, you get your dog walking certificate. Well, I'm not really seeing can... that on the page here. No? No. Was that no, what version? Was, you, okay, that was, uh, was that was an M and A idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you're talking to those guys. No, uh, I, I think this one is controversial because it's quite possible the government could say we're not loaning money to schools, students that have less than a such and such, you know, default Graduate, rate or and graduation, graduation rate, rate or right. employed rate or right. something like that. So you don't know. <clears throat> but what I'm attracted to is they're trading at. Uh, Point three times revenue. That's pretty cheap. Uh, they're trading at point one on an enterprise value to sales basis. Point four times trailing EBITDA. So, I mean, that's to say, if they maintain this EBITDA, your cash on cash return is two hundred and fifty percent. So. If things don't get worse, and that would mean to get worse, they would have to keep going down. But I'm going to argue that the demographics of post-high school uh, you know, population needing higher education, not being able to afford you know, the traditional costs of uh, traditional four-year public education that you know, we all had a chance to enjoy. The cost of tuition alone is keeping families away. But then you also have the problem of just the sheer capacity. And so the, the, we're, we're not going to leave these people uneducated. They're going somewhere. And there is not another path other than, you know, there's other countries and their colleges. I'm not sure that's going to be happening. So this is really, it's a gateway to higher education. And while it may not smell good right now, uh, they're going to have to clean it up versus shutting it down. So... Um, I would get involved in this. I don't know if you buy it today, but these things have been so beat up, and you can look to their old sales values as some kind of measure of capacity. And, uh, and so right now, you know, there's a lot of excess capacity in their ability to teach kids, and uh, they're under some scrutiny, but I'm going to guess they're going to fix the problems. They're going to have tighter, you know, criteria coming in. And, and this could be a hell of an opportunity, Mo. Well, you know, um, here's what I would do, just as, just from a mechanical standpoint, if you, anyone out there is interested in uh, really taking a look at the company, there are 12 analysts that follow this. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's some historical background there. This industry did a ton of initial public offerings, and they were all done by not bulge bracket firms. And... Um, so everyone that was involved in the syndicate began following the stock. So this is probably one of those companies that came public during that big boom uh, in the mid-2000s. Um, 
And so they have a lot of coverage. Obviously, these guys know where going on, know what's going on. They, they earnings estimates in the last six months are all off by almost a hundred percent. But get a couple of their research reports, see what they say. We're, yeah. we're only flagging it as yeah. something that looks interesting. But there's twelve people who have written on this. Maybe that much visibility means the damage is baked into the stock. I think so. And uh, but. Find out who follows it. Get some research reports. Say what they say. This is our. See what they say. This is a. I like this interesting one. Yeah, a little contrarian, but interesting. So, okay. Well, um, this is the exciting time of the show when we do a little thing called walking through national economic trends. Now, unfortunately, Mo, yes. as you well know, being here with me, we haven't actually printed that or looked at it whatsoever at this point. But what we've actually done, and you may be impressed, but uh, it's true. We've memorized the entire document. 750 <laughs> pages, 12 in some cases, 12 I, I, graphs I, I, per page. We've were, memorized were it. Were we and supposed so to do that? Th this is the first show we're going to do it I from memory. I didn't get that memo, Mo. Oh, well, I've done... I've. Have you got your... Well, then I only have to go. Then just print so, out one. Well, just keep yourself busy. I'll do the rest from memory. And do something here. And we'll just be right back with that. through national economic trends. I thought it was paging through. Or paging economic. through. I don't know. But, you know, I tried to get to the printer over at the copy machine. The cleaning people are here again. Reading the economic trends. They it's were. hard. You know, this thing gets printed out. Those guys, boom. You don't think some of those cleaning ladies they have like it $10 million <laughs> in, you know, when they... Why not just hire us and pay the fee? But no, they're reading our stuff at the <coughs> copy machine, doing it at home. They're smart. I don't know. Which All is right. why we're... we're pointing out some of these trends yeah. so listeners can do it anyway, at home. We are now going to page through national economic trends, which you can get yourself at the Federal Reserve National <laughs> Bank of St. Louis, uh, and it's free. Okay, page. Uh, now, usually I don't find something right away, but I found something here on page three, Mo, I wanted to talk oh, about. so did I. Yeah. Let's oh, go. Oh, really? Let's oh, go. Wow. Uh, well, first, in the top right... There's a little something called the Consumer Price Index, the CPI, which is trying to measure inflation, right? And they have their little basket of goods that they think is representative of what people spend. And you got your urban and your rural and, you know, blah, blah. Well, here's what I was going to say. There's a lot of concern about inflation. And, you know, we had a lot of spending, a lot of debt going up, et cetera. And there are a couple months here, the last few, that, you know, 0.4 two months ago, I could see why people were a little alarmed because 0.4 times 12, that's 4.8. And if the long bond is a 2, that's what? You've got a negative 2.8% rate, so people paying to have their money saved kind of a thing. But I want to say the most recent month is zero. 
Zero. It says zero, and I don't know why. I mean, obviously, oil prices are down. Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you what. 15% off the peak. If it's 20% of your spending, 15% times 20% is three. I mean, it could be that. Uh, you know, but who knows why? But uh, smart people know why, but it's zero. So mm. I thought that was worth pointing out. Inflation canceled for last yep. month. Yep. You know, so. Well, Professor, uh, let me ask you a question. Because uh, unlike myself, the I have a humble MBA. Yeah, what do I have? No, that's what I have. I thought you had a master's in finance. Well, I have an MS. Yeah. Well, okay. You don't have that? And they're letting you do what you do? No, I, uh, I don't. Oh, you didn't put that on there? No. Okay. Um, so, Professor. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Interest rates are 2%. Yeah. Do you remember the old Graham and Dodd formula, whatever the risk-free rate was, which was a government bond, plus some equity risk premium, Yeah. those two added together Right. was sort of what you should be looking for in a stock. What That's is that? right. How, yeah. What is that number? Because we're looking <clears throat> at some stocks with a dividend yield of 7%, and I'm thinking they're going to be no-brainers if yeah. this risk-free rate... So what does that mean? Well, what, what I think do, what, what it you, means is that uh, certainly on those metrics, stocks are very attractive. Uh, if you take the risk-free rate. Which should be. I mean, you know, remember, people don't always know for sure what the risk-free rate is, but they take the U.S. government rate as the risk-free rate. It's always been viewed as risk-free. Mm -hmm. But, of course, now you had a Congress that was, in effect, threatening to default. So I'm not sure even the U.S. government rate is the risk-free rate anymore. There may be no real risk. actual risk-free rate. But let's say the Treasury, the near-term Treasury, is the closest we get to it. And we know that because other nations are happy to stand all their money here for us to uh, fritter away, and they feel it's perfectly safe. And that's measured by the yield, which is basically, what's that? 3%. The 10-year Treasury is 2, yeah. and the 3-month, is about as close to zero as ink lets you get on a page. And so, um, but we know inflation is, I mean, it was zero, zero last month, but, you know, these things are priced. We look here, uh, the average inflation rate the last couple years, if I just eyeball it here, it's roughly 0.2 per month times 12, 2.5%. But this whole period, the three-month Treasury has been uh, under a quarter percent, which means people are willing to give up principle for perceived safety, which, um, you know, in my career has never happened before. If you take the traditional uh, formula you were just talking about, so risk-free rate, zero, let's say. Right. Equity plus, risk premium. Plus uh, the equity risk premium. Well, traditionally, the equity risk premium in the stock market long-term return is 10. And the risk-free rate, as measured by a government sort of bond, might have traditionally been, you know, what, five or six. six. So, mm -hmm. you know, and, and these are estimates because you don't actually know in advance what the risk-free rate is. It, it's, it's but you're after implying the about a 4%. So it's four to five, I think, and that's on the market, a diversified market. On any individual stock, it goes up from there. So if 10% is the... Uh, rate you demand on a portfolio of stocks, it you know, might be 15% you demand on an individual riskier stock, or 12 or 13. 
you know, here in the shop, we don't buy a stock unless we think it can deliver a 20% annual return. And, of course, in this environment, you're happy with 10. So that leaves a lot of room for mistakes and things like that. But, I mean, basically what that old formula is saying is that if we think that, that stocks are way riskier than, than, you know, is warranted, um, you know, by the traditional metric, because it would be about a, what, it would be a 5% return, right. mm-hmm. which would be a 20 uh, multiple, but pre-tax, these are pre-tax numbers, so that'd be in the mid-30s mm-hmm. after tax, and the average, I think the multiple on the S&P 500 is 16. So, and that's the argument for the wild undervaluation of securities or the wild underestimation of the risk in equities. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, if the earth blows up, only the bonds and the REITs are going to have value, you know. Right? No, of course not. But I mean, that's what how the market's right, priced. Exactly. That was comedy, but it was bad comedy. I mean, you know, my professor had the best advice for tough times. I thought there was, a, you know, the secret formula for the right investment portfolio. I said to him, uh, "So, professor, what would be the best portfolio for really tough times?" And he just looked at me and said, "Really tough times?" I said, "Yeah, really tough." He said, he looked at me and he just said, "Big dogs and guns." I said, ooh, maybe not that tough. But, uh, you know, I think that there's some people that are, uh, you know, receiving negative real rates on investments because there are those kinds of fears. And if if the chaos in the world gets better, and I think or less chaos and, and the volatility gets less, I think a lot of these things will get better. Bond yields are going to drift up as the economy grows, and uh, and I think we're just in a – interesting period here where equities are pretty freaking cheap. Well, here's a, let me just skip ahead of you for one chart because it ties into this. Look at page 13. 13. Okay. And that's the consumer sentiment. Oh, yeah. It's the, uh, the, it's the applause meter for the economy. I drew a line there, but you drew like four lines. One, two, yeah, wow. four lines, okay. yeah. Um, so here's what's interesting. You start this index, this, this, uh, Consumer sentiment, how good do you feel about the economy? You started at 100 back in 2006, and it went all the way down to 55 during the financial crisis. Yeah. Um, it had, you know, 2008. It came, started to recover back around 75, and boom, it got hit with another crisis, which was our next banking crisis. And I think the market's worried that we might, in the next two years, experience a European crisis. So the third yeah. slam yeah. to consumer sentiment, consumer shutdown, it's a consumer-based economy. I think that's what people are stealing themselves for. Yeah. Are we going to see a crisis in Europe? And if we do, boom, our, our confidence gets hit, spending gets hit, the economy gets hit. I think so, you're right about that. Moment. Yeah. Anyway. Bless you. Bless you. Oh, thanks, Mo. Okay, well, let's see here. So now track backwards, because you were looking at one. Well, I just wanted to, you know, I said this on past shows. Bottom of page three, the unemployment rate just continues to go down, and it's going down at uh, a pretty rapid pace. So now, the suicide rate has been going up. Do you think that accounts for the, uh, the, the people that are now out of the job market, which could be fueling that? I don't know on that one, Mo. Let, me, uh, let me hold that for... was a headline today. Really? Yeah, well, I didn't see that. 
so paging uh, along here, uh, you know, I did have something else. Uh, where, uh, let's see, I had a lot of different things. But w one thing to point out was, uh, one, and this ties in with that negative sentiment in 2011, uh, there's a thing, real change in private inventory. So basically, it's bottom of page five. This is the money that business owners are willing to invest in goods and put them on the shelf or invest in materials and start working on them to sell to customers. So it is a sign of some type of optimism about the near term. And in the middle of 2011, that number after the prior at least year, year and a half, being pretty positive, turned to zero. And I think that's going to cause people to take pause because all the order books start to dry up. But then in the fourth quarter of 2011 and the first quarter of 2012, we uh, are running at a nice clip. The first quarter of 2012, $75 billion, according to this document, in 2005 dollars. So you got to add in the inflation since then. It's six years of 3%. So, you know, maybe it's really $90 million went into, $90 billion, I'm sorry, went into private inventories. And I think that's a pretty good sign of the, uh, the strength and optimism that could be coming. The other thing I wanted to point out was that for all the concern about GDP, there's a chart here called nominal gross domestic product. And the interesting thing about nominal gross domestic product, ladies and gentlemen, is that it's a real number. When people estimate uh, real gross domestic product, they are estimating inflation uh, and they're using generally a basket of goods to do that. So they're making an estimate of inflation. And there's lots of studies that show that they don't always estimate it just right. So the real GDP numbers that you see, which, you know, usually run, you know, 2 3%, 4%, right now lower than that, is an estimate after they subtract out their estimate of inflation. Nominal gross domestic product, the thing I like about it, is that it's just adding up the value of everything. And yeah, some of it inflated, but that's the number. And when I look at it, it's remarkably stable. For, this goes back to just the first part of 2010. So it was, you know, maybe 5.5% then, and then 5.5%, then, then 4 then 4 then three, then four, then four, then four, then four. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not an economist, but that looks like we're in a pretty stable period in terms of the actual numbers before you have a bunch of economists who don't agree trying to make uh, adjustments to the real numbers. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention on this page, page five, is uh, the remarkable stability in the inventory to sales ratio. You see that over the last three years? This is corporate America. The, in, the ratio of the total inventory to the total sales has been between 1.31. I mean, this is the only graph in the book that's in, you know, double decimals. Uh, you know, it's 1.31 on the high, 1.26 on the low. So let me just do the math on that, 0.05. That is a less than 4% move over a three-year period in total inventories to sales. And uh, 
what I like about that is when you see people investing in inventories at such a rapid pace, um, it means that sales probably are going to follow. So now, I uh, just a, just a quick footnote on that. We've been uh, contacted by the farmers' representation lobby, so we want to give a shout are out. Are they to not them. getting enough time here? Well, they, you know, here's their gripe, and I understand this. Look at this on page five. It's the yeah. aggregate private non-farm hours, and then when you look at you know, it's always non-farm labor statistics, non-farm work hours, non-farm. Well, you know, where are the farmers here? Yeah. They're not, they're, you know, these. They're like, hey, we, we're out here too. Right. So we're a um, shout out. Hey, farmers. To, to the St. To, to we're with you. And uh, to the St. Louis board, listen, let's start adding farm hours. Let's start adding, you know, farm salaries. As a <laughs> You a know, new sub, yeah, a well, new to the, subgroup. Yeah, I, you know, they might have used to had that when back in the days when there were more farmers. But that's a good idea. Good idea. Um, I think, you know, Mo, we've we've managed to really make this the longest show in the history of the Value Guys. So I think we better. You, oh, you have something good going on there? No. No, no, no. We did about that. that. No, we're we're okay, done. Okay. Well, why don't we just call it an end? We've really used up a lot of time. I'm getting sleepy. I want to just. Thank all the listeners for listening in this week for, you know, what we hope was a couple of good ideas and what else? Not much else, Thank really. you. Thank you, um, all of our sponsors, Goldman Sachs, who Thank without you. you, we wouldn't be doing this. No, we wouldn't. Well, not as profitably. <laughs> no, that's true. So, and um, I want to also say a shout-out to the Federal Reserve of St. Louis. You know, we use their materials here on the show. We might as well be appreciative and show them a shout-out. And I also want to say uh, hello to Canada because, hey, it's our friendly neighbor to the north, right? And the Soviet Union, where yeah. we're now being carried actually on their one ComSat radio station. Yeah, so. All right, well, thanks for listening, and everybody. Uh, catch us on iTunes and uh, other places at www.thevalueguys.com and uh, see photos, past shows, and what? Diaries, I don't know what else. Have you put something up there, Mo? Not yet, not my baby photo. I'm waiting for that to come back from the Photoshop people. Uh, all right, well, have a good day, everybody. Thanks very much. Bye.